is Jimmy Scroggins, and I'm the lead pastor of Family Church in South Florida. Welcome to the Church for the Rest of Us podcast. On our podcast, we're committed to giving you scalable ideas that you can use with the resources you have right now at your church. So welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Back in the studio today, continuing our series on multi-site church for the rest of us. I hope all of our listeners caught last week's episode. We had a great conversation with some of our guests live from the Church for the Rest of Us conference. We had so much fun learning from so many of you that we're doing it again. Church for the Rest of Us 2023 is on March the 2nd. Write it down. Save the date. And we're going to be talking about the power of the neighborhood church. Big topic of conversation Come and join in the conversation, learn from us, but we want to learn from you. And I'm excited about that, Leslie. Yeah, we're excited about that. And we're excited about Neighborhood Church and who we have with us today. So we have two of our neighborhood pastors with us. We have Pastor Bernie Cueto, Pastor Kevin Smith. So Pastor Bernie serves at Family Church Gardens. He's Mm -hmm. been with us many times. Welcome, Bernie. Thanks for having me. And Pastor Kevin actually has been a guest on the podcast, but he's now joined our team. He's at Family Church Village. So so glad to have you here with us today, Kevin. So good to be here. Yeah, and then we're going to have Jimmy introduce our, our our additional guests. Yeah, so Bernie and Kevin are great friends of mine. These guys are great preachers and great practitioners of church leadership. But from they weren't good lo- enough, so we needed well, somebody else. No, you're good enough, but from a remote location, an undisclosed location, we have uh, Dave Stone. Dave Stone pastored at Southeast Christian Church until 2019. That is one of the largest churches and most influential churches in America. He preached over 20,000 people every single weekend. And Dave is an outstanding leader, and he is a speaker that's in demand everywhere. But my favorite thing about Dave is that Dave's my friend. Some of you who are listening would count Dave as one of your friends, and you won't meet a guy that's more winsome, more joyful, more fun to be around than Dave. Dave and I have shared a lot of great conversations, and I'm looking forward to this one. So Dave, welcome to Church for the Rest of Us. Hey, thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored to be on here with all three of y'all. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's talk about what's happening. And one of the things I want to talk about is video preaching versus live preaching. It's a big conversation. A lot of people are having this conversation. Some people who are doing live are switching over to video. Some people who are doing video are switching over to live. Some people are trying to do it all. Some of you guys listening are thinking about what in the world you're going to do. It's an important question. So I want to talk to Dave first. Dave, tell me about how you guys started your multi-site ministry and why video preaching was the direction that you decided to go from the outset. Well, first of all, I want to say that I don't think that there's one size that fits all. I think that it's different things work for different places and in different settings. In our particular setting, when we decided to go from one one church to having several different campuses, we started in 2009 is when we opened up our Indiana campus. And we'd made the choice to kind of go the video preaching route just because we we felt like for the first step and for people to get acquainted with multi-sites, that would be a good first step for them. The other thing was we felt like we had a slam dunk to begin with because in Louisville, Kentucky, Southern Indiana is right across the river from us, right across from downtown. We believed that the bridge was such a barrier that our, our first multi-site campus would go extremely well. So I was sharing the preaching at the time with Kyle Eidelman. I think Kyle is, comes across really well on video. He was doing probably 35% of the teaching at that time, and I felt like it it, it boded well for the future. And so we decided to try the video preaching route. 
mostly for the sake that the reason we were going to be hiring different people to be our our multi-campus leaders was we weren't looking for a person that was extremely strong in communication because we felt like if we went that route, then we would start losing those people to preaching ministries. So it's a little different take than the way Family Church has approached it, and, and there's upsides and downsides to it, but we felt like it would work well for us, and it was quickly embraced once we opened our first campus. You know, Dave, one of the things I really appreciate about what you guys have done, and, and, and honestly, I think that video is the proven method for growing biggest and fastest. The the, the largest multi-site churches in America are all doing video in some form. But I think one of the ingredients that makes those churches special is what you had in place at Southeast Christian, which you had two elite level communicators in you and in Kyle, and then a history of elite level communication with Bob Russell. And so you guys have these elite level teachers that most basic boogerheads out here trying to make it in this business, uh, pastor in their churches, are just never going to be able to communicate like you guys do. And I wonder if, Bernie, if you have a thought about that, because I mean, these guys are very special. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. I think it would be difficult to sort of replicate that that kind of model. We've we've talked about it when we first got started, and we just didn't feel like we'd have that type of power, influence, communicating you know, via video. We no Kyle Eidelman That's and right. Dave Stone is what <laughs> we decided. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, are you okay? Are you surviving? In there? Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, I do think we have elite level communicators in this room and at Family Church, but obviously we did make a dis- different dis- A conversation worth happening. I think theologically, I kept coming back to an incarnational model of ministry where we wanted people to be able to talk to the person that preached to them and spend time with that specific person. And then maybe the the third thing that when I've had the opportunity to chat with our campus pastors is I'd ask, hey, if if you weren't preaching, would you stick around with us? Would you still want to invest in what we were doing? And it is messier because we 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 have to spend time developing them and growing them as communicators. But I don't know. I don't think we'd get the same quality of minister in our region in South Florida if if they were just doing pe- pastoral care and maybe emceeing that Sunday experience. Yeah, and I think that Dave hit it, the nail on the head. Is that I don't think there's a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. I think every kind of environment needs to figure out what's going to work the best for them. But I, I'm with you, Bernie. So Kevin, one of the things that we talked about is you know are we that type of elite level communicator? Do we have the right opportunity in terms of equipment and video to do it well, because there are churches around our area and in the country doing it very well. You can't just throw some grainy video of somebody up there and expect that to be successful. And and then thirdly had to do with, you know, we have a little different approach and, and value on incarnational, but but some of what we're doing is neighborhood church, because like, man, when I've been to Southeast Christian many times and heard these guys preach, not one time did they even know I was there because there's like thousands of people there. So either way, so I, I, I can see, you know, all sides of that. I wonder what you're thinking about that, Kevin. I think when he says we make a decision, the ability to execute a decision is vital versus just having a desire to do something. So there's not like a, uh, I was teaching at Southern and pastoring in Louisville back when those things started. And so it wasn't like a uh, YouTube screen up there. Uh, <laughs> no. When I when I went over to Indiana, man, I think was, the equipment apparatus was massive and it was a presentation like Kyle was right there in the room. So I think to just, you know, video preaching is such a popular such a uh, common phrase now. Sometimes people don't realize 
the quality distinctions we're speaking of. So Sufi and Palm Beach, there are Bentleys of video preaching, and then there are like <laughs> Buicks of video preaching. So, I mean, we, we, we kind of need to make this thing. Would you agree with that, brother? I mean, because that was a, an extensive setup in Southern Indiana. It, it was, and we were, we were blessed. They, we, we sunk a lot of money into the sound system, into the video. Yeah. And if you go to any of our campuses, we, we're eight feet tall on the on the screens we're six feet six foot two six foot three in person but on it's amazing how it does have that real look and that real feel hmm. funny funny thing is kevin that after a service people would come up and say hey i want to talk to dave or i want to talk to kyle and they said well they're they're 20 miles away from here and they said, well no i just i just saw him preaching no no he, he's he's not here so that was always a bummer just to, to say to people so i understand what you're saying when you when you talk bernie talked about the neighborhood church and and yes there's so many great things and what you all are doing is you're you're raising up and you're developing preachers and that's that's the downside of the way we do ours you know, when we hire people for, for those roles, we are looking for people who have a great pastoral skills, strong leadership skills, and good communication skills. So our campus pastor, that person will pastor that flock, but they'll also preach three or four weekends a year. So they'll get their chances to be up there, but we're just not hiring that person who who wants 18 or 20 reps, you know, mm-hmm. uh, instead we're looking for the person who has those pastoral gifts. Mm-hmm. And if you ask any of those campuses, when they say, who's your pastor, they're not going to say Dave or Kyle. They're, they're going to say Greg, or mm-hmm. they're going to say Brian, or they're going to say James, and they're going to throw those names out because when they're hurting, that's the person who who has flesh on them, who's right there with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate that so much. And Dave, I wonder when you guys were kind of, talking through that and thinking through that and experiencing that, I wonder what you think are the major benefits. You've talked some about having the key communicator up there, but I wonder if there are others, maybe in terms of scale or whatever. Yeah, I think that it allows a church to put their best foot forward. Mm -hmm. I am a big fan of teaching teams, maybe because that's how I got started at Southeast was when there were no teaching teams. Bob Russell was preaching 48 Sundays a year. And so he hired me to be on the teaching team with him which was kind of unheard of back in 1989. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's great value because what it does is it spreads it out from, from one to two or one to three or one to four, whatever it might be. But still the, the danger is that you can have it all built around just a handful of people. Mm-hmm. I think the, the benefits are if you have a person or a setting that maybe has a strong response, maybe stronger than the place where it's going to be shown, then sometimes laughter can get people laughing. Engagement can, you know, you, I know some places they edit their Saturday night message or the message that they've done. We never did that. But if I hit a good one on Saturday night or uh, the first hour on Sunday, then that's what every campus used based on what my choice was. Mm-hmm. I preach at CCV, Christ Church of the Valley in, in Phoenix. They have 12 campuses and I preach on Saturday afternoon for two services. And their Saturday first service, if you can imagine this, is the most responsive. Hmm. And so I can't tell you after every hour, they'll say, what do you want for the next hour at other campuses? And I'll, I'll usually stick with the first one, even though I don't know my material as well, because it has a spontaneity mm-hmm. and because it has a great crowd response. 
I want that to carry over so that it picks some momentum up in the other places. Now, if I botch something up or I'll say, well, I butchered that story or I missed that punchline or I was looking down, I felt like the whole time, then I'm going to use one of the, the later ones for the ongoing services on Sunday. But I know that's an unusual situation that has Saturday services, two Saturday services, making it highly unusual. But it does give you the freedom as the preacher to put your best foot forward out there and your best product. Hey, I wonder, Kevin, do you, you guys ever have that experience when you're preaching more than once on the same sermon on the same day? Do you ever have like the first one seems to be super engaging mm-hmm. and it, not everything that you did was in your notes? And so then the next sermon, you're trying to yes. like remember and recapture something that happened. The first, do you guys ever do that? Uh, all yes, the time. All the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and also with the uh, one benefit or one distinction is, for example, that response of the congregation is recorded and is part of the video presentation. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're live, you know, different rooms are different rooms. Like I preached at Faganbush, running around that running around the road to the east. And it was yeah. just, uh, it could be you like, man, this was a wonderful sermon. Different room, <laughs> different people. <laughs> yeah. And, have you ever had that burning? Like sometimes I'll tell a joke and it'll kill at 930. I tell it at 11. It's just flat. And I'm like, that's a funny joke. Yeah. I know I for just, a fact. I just blame it on the people. I just told it an hour ago. I, I always say, apparently this is not the saved crowd. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give them a whole other message. It can't be me. It can't be that. But, and I can never oh. recreate that experience. And that that is the beauty of of preaching or if you teach a lot, just that live organism of what's what's taking place. Mm-hmm. What, what I do love about the video is exactly what Dave said. I mean- the the message is unified. It's mm-hmm. it's tight. It's packed. They're hearing from the visionary leader. I think I know you maybe best from from our preachers, at least Jimmy. And there's been times when I've been preaching, and I thought, you know, I wish they could hear Jimmy say this component because this is a big part of who our church is, and they don't. They got to hear it from me. So in that sense, that is a big difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so too. That's a good point too, Dave. I think what Bernie just said about having the person who's kind of the I don't know how to say this, but the person who's at the top of the organization or the visionary, mm-hmm. being able to articulate for everyone these important ideas. Yeah. And and uh, to that point, I've seen some churches, I know Kyle does it now at Southeast, where sometimes he will start a sermon with the campus pastors and he'll do the first five minutes or he'll do the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. And so there was one a month or so ago when they had a big fundraising drive to do things in the community. And so Kyle was like the last seven minutes of the message. And so the the other guys shared their parts and teed it up. And then when it came to that point, they went straight to, to Kyle on video. So there's so many different ways you can skin this cat and, and slice it. And there's there's benefits on all sides around it. I think one of the main things you have to do when you have multi-sites, you, not only do you welcome them, but I love it when people will make a comment and they'll refer to another campus. Mm-hmm. One time uh, I was I was speaking at Willow Creek on a Wednesday night. I was there for two straight w- Wednesdays. And I said, I said, how many of y'all have ever had a, a speeding ticket? And, you know, people raised their hands and I'd found out the names of the campuses before. And I said, whoa, wow, that was almost everybody at the Aurora campus, you know, and <laughs> it, it didn't go over that great in the main campus. You know, it got a little chuckle and all, but that's all I heard the second week when I came back. 
Oh, Aurora Campus loves you. Aurora yeah. Campus. <laughs> Why? Because I call you them insulted their driving. <laughs> yeah, but they just want to be included. Yeah. And so when when Bernie was saying earlier something about uh, a different campus, when if I don't get good laughter where I'm at, I'll say you guys might not have liked that, but let me tell you something. Southern Indiana, they loved it. <laughs> <laughs> right? oh, just there you throw go, something Bernie. out there, just a mention of another another place. It's amazing how it pulls those people in. Mm-hmm. Hey, I wonder, Kevin, as you talk to pastors and pastors ask your advice, which they do a lot. What do you tell pastors and leaders to consider as they're kind of making decisions about whether being primarily video or or primarily live? Like, what what are the things they should think about? Uh, I'm not as nice as the rest of you guys. Uh, I I ask guys, do your current members regularly send sermon links to their family and friends wanting them to listen to you? Do your current members. (laughs) That is brutal. (laughs) You have to have some type of realistic measurement. So do do you sense some type of, this is a market word, demand, Mm -hmm. interest in your communication? I'll talk to that. And then the second thing is where we started. I talk a lot about the equipment Mm -hmm. because- Cheesy is just so cheesy is not good as far as my theology of preaching and cheesy is not good as far as my philosophy of organizational representation. I wonder if you have a thought about that, Bernie, because I know you you do with a lot of even, you know, young pastors that have come through PBA. They've got their master's degree. They're out there. What, what do you tell them? Yeah, I would say this. We kind of went through this when COVID started. We said, mm-hmm. OK, we're going to from one day to the next, we're going to go online. We're going to go on YouTube. And I remember telling you, Jimmy, look, I, I mean, I think we're going to take a huge hit if they could, if they could listen, you know, watch Dave or Kyle or Chandler or somebody else, even though there are people, they're going to want to wa- watch better, better preachers. And they didn't. They want to hear their guy. So I, I would say, especially for that younger preacher who's, who probably is still figuring out what their voice is, still a little mm-hmm. bit insecure. Don't let that deter you from moving forward and keep developing your voice to keep developing your craft. But your people, want they want to hear you. Yeah, I, I think that's so powerful because I do think that people, they know the content's available. They can get good content anytime. It's it's at their fingertips. But what they want is content with a connection, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what church provides. Mm-hmm. It, church is not just a content generator. Church is content with a connection mm-hmm. to other people, mm-hmm. to your pastor, to Christ. And Dave, I wonder I wonder what you would say to that as people. I'm sure people ask you that all the time. I mean, you mentor more people than anybody. Well, I, I, I mentor a lot of people, but I feel like I've been mentored by some, some really, really good people. I thought it was interesting what Kevin just shared about, do they forward the links on? And is that something that I do believe that people want to hear what a campus pastor or a teaching pastor, whatever the term is you want to use, what it is that they want to share from their heart when there's something going on in the community, when there's something going on in the country, if there's a crisis going on, man, that's a time when they want to hear what my pastor has to say. Mm-hmm. And it even goes that other layer when it, it might not be the lead pastor that's at that congregation, but they want to hear. And that person is probably going to be saying, listen, I was in a meeting this weekend with with Jimmy, we met together to pray. Our campus pastors did. And, you know, here's where we landed. This this is where we are on this particular issue. And we want to invite you all to be praying with us. So that, that pulls in this camaraderie and this unity piece. So I think there's great things that happen. I want to I go back to something that, that Kevin was saying about forwarding on links. 
because yeah, I, I do want to know if people are, are watching this on Monday and if they're sharing it on Tuesday and you know what, what's going on. And so think of it like this. We've all had a person that comes up and says, you know, well, I feel like I should be on the worship team or I feel like I should be singing or years ago. It used to be, <laughs> you have that? You guys have that in Southeast Christian? <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah. Well, that's and that's how we know when Jimmy comes in our church. He said, we don't know when he's there. We have a meter that goes off. <laughs> Jimmy always comes up and says, hey, would you let me sing a solo? We say, no. <laughs> I never let me. Uh, think of it like this. The the gal who comes up and says, you know, uh, God told me that, that I should sing for the church. We, our worship pastor had a great response to that. He would look at them and say, oh, thank you so much. So you're saying, yes. Well, you know what? When, when God lets us know that we should have you, we, we will call you and have you sing. It's a great answer. But here's my point. You might not want that gal singing, but you might want this other guy or gal singing when you bring a guest or a visitor with you. Why is it? Because you want your best foot forward. Mm -hmm. Okay. And it's no different when it comes to preaching. Mm -hmm. That's why sometimes when, when Bob Russell and I were preaching together, when I would come walking out, I could hear an audible groan from people. Oh no. (laughs) Oh, it's that kid with the mullet. (laughs) And so there would be this, this groan. And for the first, for the first six months, when I would preach, the attendance went from 4,000 to 3,000. You know, hey, Dave solved the parking problem. (laughs) But still, they had to get used to another mouthpiece. And so sometimes that's gradual. And that's why I I love what Bernie said on keep learning your voice, keep working at it and and be the best possible preacher that you can be. Mm -hmm. That's good. That kind of brings up, I think, some of the one of the drawbacks that sometimes people point out about video preaching is that it's too personality driven. So sometimes you have to sort of disciple people, maybe with a teaching team or something like that, that you're not just focused on that person. All right. So we have, you know, four experts in the room. I'm going to toss the last question. Each one of you can take a turn. What is one word of advice that you would give to a pastor who's considering launching a new service or a new site when it comes to preaching? And we'll start with you, Pastor Dave. Thank you, Leslie. And I think you're probably one of the four experts. So that leaves me out. So that's true. uh, here's, here's Here's what I'm thinking. The, the easiest answer to that is when you start a new service or you start a new site, do it at a place where you know you've got pent up excitement. In other words, we always chose our next location based upon where we had the best odds of it coming together and being a success. And we look for several different things. We look for a high percentage of the unchurched. We looked for uh, a large number of volunteers from our church who lived in that area. And we also look for it to be a certain distance away from our broadcast campus. And so if you are looking for another site, then I think you go to a place where it makes it an easier invite for someone. So let's say we go to southwest part of uh of Louisville down off of Dixie Highway. Why Why would we choose that? Well, it's 30 minutes away from our broadcast campus, but we have a whole lot of people who drive in from there. Mm-hmm. Now, we didn't put it there so that they wouldn't have to drive as far. We put it there so it would be an easier invitation mm-hmm. because the people that they have coming with them now, they walk away from that service and say, okay, that, that was really good. I really liked what Kyle had to say. That was a great sermon and the music was great. But... We drove 35 minutes. 
We sat in a traffic jam when we came for 10 minutes. We sat in a traffic jam when we left for 15 minutes. It took us seven minutes to get our kids checked in. And then we sat through an hour and 15 minute service. You add all that up. That's a three hour and 10 minute commitment. So it's an easier invite for the person now that there's a church that's five minutes away that doesn't have a traffic jam. That's good. What about you, Pastor Kevin? I go back to things should not be personality driven, but God, 1 Corinthians 12, God gives gifts in the body. I'm always asking a guy, do you think you are a gifted preacher? Have other people told you you're a gifted preacher? Because every preacher just doesn't need to be replicated. That's good. So think about that. What about you, Bernie? What would you say? What's one word of advice to someone who's thinking about this, especially when it comes to preaching? Well, I'll piggyback on Kevin's. I get to teach preaching at Palm Beach Atlantic University, and I get to be the bearer of bad news. (laughs) Certain students, you could see they have a bandwidth where they will improve, and others, you kind of want them to reconsider their calling in life (laughs) and maybe what God is doing. I would say this, when we started doing all these different things, it, it was a blessing to talk to church leaders that had done it. Mm-hmm. And we would essentially ask them, hey, what didn't work? What what was the hardest part of this? Even in the planning phase while we're praying through, should we do this or not? Just to see if if we can deal with the same hardships they did. Mm-hmm. So we did learn a lot from people's mistakes. We still made a bunch of them, but we did learn a lot. That's good. Yeah. So I would just say, just to add on to everything that's been said, and maybe expand a little bit on Dave's, is pen up demand was Dave's mm-hmm. phrase, so I really, really like. And another way of saying that, or perhaps expanding that a little bit, was just if we if we start this new service or this new site, do, do we believe that we're likely to reach new people for Christ? Mm-hmm. Uh, do, we, do we believe that because we start this new service or this new site, are we likely to make more disciples for Jesus better, faster, stronger, because we have this new site. Because right now, there's all this kind of almost, it's almost like sexier, you know, like, oh, we got multi-site and we got this and we got that. And that's fine. But the real issue is, are we going to make more disciples for Jesus in this area Mm -hmm. because of this new initiative that we're starting? If the answer to that is yes, then you're forced to solve all of the equipment problems, the financial problems, the talent problems, the gifting yeah. problems, because you're going to reach more people for Christ. If the answer to that is, eh, probably not, then why go through all that? It's too hard. And so that to me is is really one it's of well the said. one of the great keys. Leslie, I'd love for you to have the last word. You observe all of this. You watch all of this. I wonder what you have to say. Well, I do think that, you know, there's a lot to weigh when you think about going video and when you talk about going live preaching. I think some of the things we've talked about today that have been instructive to me are, you know, the idea of if you can do it well, if you're going to do video. So do you really have the resources that it takes to do it well? And if you don't think you have the resources that it takes to do it well, then you might want to invest in the people that it would require to do it well. And so you probably just have to look at your current situation and then make an assessment on what you think you can do the best if you're making that decision, additional service, additional site. That's what I would think. Yeah, plus, good good point, because plus, what else is happening in your area? So what else is happening in your area may also inform that. For instance, if you have, if you're if you're right next door to Life Church and a North Point campus, then you may actually be better off well, maybe we should go live, even if we'll not be as big as those guys, because mm-hmm. you have two people who are really doing video like really well. It's unlikely That's that you're point. going to preach better or or put on a, a better production. Your production value is going to be as high as a North Point or a Life Church. 
So, so I think, and on the other hand, if you're, if there are no churches in your area doing video, maybe that's a good thing for you to do that will kind of distinguish your church and put another hook in the water for the, for the kingdom of God that other churches aren't putting in the water, not to compete with them, but to reach new people that aren't being reached through what's being done right now. So look, I am so glad and so honored to be at the table with you guys and with you, Leslie and Dave. Being a friend with you is such a joy, and and I, I learned so much from you, and I'm looking forward to getting to spend some time with you here in the coming months. we got a couple of things planned, and that's going to be a lot of fun. And to all of our listeners, I want to thank you for listening today. We're going to continue the conversation and talk about what we do here at Family Church, which is live preaching at all of our locations. And there's no right way and no wrong way. This is just our way. Like St. Paul said, we just care that the gospel is preached. And I know that's the heart of everyone on the podcast today. I'm Jimmy Scroggins signing off for Leslie Bennett, Bernie Cueto, Kevin Smith, and Dave Stone, Church for the Rest of Us. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to check out familychurchnetwork.com to chime in on our blog or follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins. We want to connect with you and learn from you because we're in this together. We're all learning from each other. We are church for the rest of us.